I want to be strong, to have the flexibility and confidence to play soccer with my kids or volleyball on the beach. I want to feel energetic and spontaneous with my husband. I want my body to feel the freedom to move and enjoy life, to hike Yosemite, surf in Hawaii, bike to the beach, to have fun with friends and not be limited. I want to do things that love my body, to feel and experience all the sensations of life. I want my body to be a force in nature that overcomes difficulty and resistance. I believe in health and wellness and daily consistent exercise. Dr. Caleb Burgess is a physical therapist. He is also a doctor. He's an orthopedic clinical specialist and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He has an Instagram following of 281,000 followers. He's also an online coach. He has a business where he specializes in helping athletes and active people of all ages reach peak performance in their sport or activity of choice while helping them to bulletproof their bodies to stay injury-free in the process. Welcome, Dr. Caleb Burgess. Hey. Hey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. This is awesome. So tell me about your journey to become a physical therapist. It's probably something that most physical therapists have a background in is getting injured themselves. I don't know if that's the same case for you, but um, I've always been involved with like fitness and sports and exercise, probably from like 14 to 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And actually within that first year of really being in that realm, I was playing basketball and I broke my elbow really bad, mm-hmm. um, had to have a couple surgeries on it. So I had a, a lot of rehab, some extensive rehab for months and months. And I was blessed to have some really good physical therapists that helped me out. And so I, I think a lot of people that have experienced physical therapy that have um, a similar story to that. It's like, if you have someone really good or a, a team that's really, really good, it sticks with you. So, I mean, I, I didn't know at that time that's what I wanted to do, but then when I got into college and was playing basketball and I injured my knee and I, I had to declare my major that next year, I was like, you know what? I think physical therapy is going to be the way to go because um, I know how I feel when I'm, or when I recovered from my injuries, how I felt and that amazing feeling that I had, and it would be awesome to help other people um, get back and recover themselves. So that's basically um, what I, why I decided to do it. And then as far as the journey to get there, it was, I went to Azusa Pacific University. Uh, I went there for my, that's in Southern California. Uh, I went there for undergrad, played basketball for four years. And then I went straight into physical therapy school about a month after I graduated. So there really wasn't any rest there. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, after that, I did uh, a year of an orthopedic residency program through Kaiser Permanente. And then the next year after that, I did the uh, sports and orthopedic fellowship. And after that, I said, you know what? Let's stop doing this education thing. Let's just Let's just treat and help people out. Not that there's anything wrong with continuing to do more, but uh, as you can probably imagine, you get a little fried after doing that much schooling yeah. <laughs> in education. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about those injuries. Tell me more about the elbow injury. How did that impact you? Yeah, that was that was really huge because before that point, I mean, I was pretty young. I was, I was like 14 or 15, like I said, and um, I had never really had any sort of big injury. And it literally... Um, for your followers, I broke the, it's called the radial head. So it's the out, outer part of the elbow. 
and it just snapped off and kind of wedged in the back of my kind of near my triceps, the back of my upper arm region. And I didn't know that at the time, obviously, but um, I just remember my coach saying, go back in the game, like, <laughs> like mm. uh, just shake it out, go back in the game. Like you probably just kind of had like hit your funny bone, you know? And I remember, and I was, I was, I guess I would say I was a decently tough guy. Um, so I thought that I could, and I, I just tried to straighten my arm out and it was this, the worst pain I've ever experienced. Mm. And obviously I was scared and stuff too. So I just remember my arm just shaking and it, it just was shaking like uncontrollably and so I had to kind of hold it like a like a sling position and I remember just sitting on the bench really confused and didn't really know I mean I, I guess some other people probably could experience that same thing where you just like what's going on what do I do what does this mean and it's in the heat of the game so I'm not thinking far in the future but obviously I'm just thinking like can I finish this game <laughs> Because wow. we, we wanted to win the game, obviously, and it was during a tournament, uh, I think during Christmas time. And I was really, really intense into my, my career, even though I was still pretty young. But um, I was kind of focused on the here and now. And I remember as the game went on, I kept trying to move my arm, but I couldn't move it at all. Um, I remember looking up at my dad in the stands and, and him coming up to the bench and be like, hey, we need to go to the hospital. So... I remember driving to the hospital and getting my MRI done and just being that point driving after I wasn't in the heat of the moment in the game. That's when I started to kind of think and go, Oh shoot, I don't know what happened to my elbow here. Like, is my arm going to be okay? And then getting the results of the, the MRI and the x-ray and all that kind of stuff. That's when it really kind of hit me. And then it was very, very, very scary at that point because sports had been my life um, up to that point. Like everything that I focused on was sports, sports, sports. So I also played baseball as well. And this, this injury happened during basketball. I guess I should have explained that, but I was to kind of reverse here. I was going across the key, going for a layup and I had, I got undercut. And so I was watching, we kind of, they teach you when you play basketball to watch your shot go in the basket. It just helps with your hand-eye coordination. It also helps like mentally seeing the ball go in. So I was watching my shot, but my my body was almost straight horizontally in the air. Um, but I was at the top of my jump, and I, I I guess I could jump pretty high, I would say. And so I was probably maybe, I don't know, when I, my body's horizontal, maybe like five feet, five, six feet off the ground, my arm was locked out straight, and then I landed straight on my arm. I, I didn't really know how to fall correctly, and I was obviously concentrated on my shot. So having my arm locked out like that put all the pressure on my bones, and that's how I broke it. Mm. Um, so anyway, to kind of fast forward again, so I, I played baseball as well and I was a pitcher. So throwing and having a lot of resiliency and strength in my elbow was super important. Um, so fast forwarding after rehab, I kind of realized, you know what, I'm not going to get back. I'm not going to get back to pitching anytime soon in the next year or two, or maybe even three. Um, I got back to playing basketball probably the year later, probably like a, a year later, but I would say my strength in my arm was probably like 60%. Mm-hmm. I was just really focused on getting back to playing, but it was to the point where I would, if I tried to grab rebounds, people could just strip the ball away from me pretty easily. I'd have to kind of really hug it with my left arm because I, I didn't have the strength to really squeeze the ball. Um, and it probably took me, with the elbow injury, probably took me three to, even like three to four years until I was like actually in college where I actually felt like I had 90% of the strength of my left arm and I still really don't to this day, but it's pretty close. Um, 
so that was kind of tough to deal with um, going through high school knowing like, oh, you know what, I can't, I had to kind of change my shot too because I can't turn my wrist mm-hmm. as far as I used to. So I had to kind of like turn my shoulder a lot more when I shot because I couldn't really palm the ball in the same way when I shot. Um, so there's a lot of adjustments I had to make, but I guess everything's, there's a purpose for everything. So, right. It, and actually for me, I mean, sorry, I keep rambling here, but for me, it was, uh, the, the biggest thing that I got out of it other than just the recovery standpoint and being patient, um, was actually, it humbled me a lot because I was a, a pretty cocky 14, 15 <laughs> year old basketball player and I played at a, a pretty small school. So. I thought I was, I was the business. I thought right. I was the man. So to to have that happen, really kind of humbled me. To you know what, you're not as you're not as uh, all that as you think you are. So mm-hmm. that was that was kind of a, a good experience, something that I learned, and I'm, I'm actually happy that I came away with that. Yeah. So I think it's it's always important when you get injured is to kind of like reevaluate maybe other things in your life that maybe you're not focusing on as much, mm-hmm. um, and kind of apply that in the future so you can kind of have a silver lining to come out of it. Yeah, no, it's good. I think, you know, a lot of this podcast is about how challenges change us and how, you know, when you're in the middle of a challenge, that's always really hard, but to be able to look back and reflect and to see how you've grown as an individual, how this impacts your patient care today. I mean, Mm -hmm. all these hard obstacles we go through as long as you can have the perspective to see it that way, uh, just how much it impacts you. So thank you for sharing that story. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of interesting reliving that whole thing. Yeah, that's good. But it's in you. It made you who you are yeah. today. Yeah. And it, I, I would say another note on that is like working with athletes. It really helps not only because I was an athlete, but then like going through an injury where you're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to play how I used to play. Mm-hmm. And I and I would say even to this to this day I know maybe I wouldn't didn't reach my very full potential because it did limit me in, in some ways even through my college career. Um, but it's it's kind of it really helps connect with the person because you see the fear and a lot of these these kids they're like I don't like they had the same mindset I did like I'm gonna be the best I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it I'm gonna be the best soccer player basketball player whatever and like to kind of connect with them and empathize with them. Be like, you know what? I know exactly what you're going through. Mm-hmm. You need to be patient. Don't rush back. Um, keep your head up. Like you can get better. Here's proof of it with other athletes. I went through it and just them hearing that I think eases a lot of their worries and can help them get over that fear aspect of like, Hey, you know what? This is something that I can get through. It's not the end of the world. Um, Cause it definitely does feel like that, especially at that age when you don't really have much experience Yeah. Um, with that. Yeah, I can hear the empathy in your voice (laughs) and how important that is for a clinician to be able to journey with people and have emotion with them and to be able to bring them out to the other side. So Mm -hmm. I would like to talk this morning about peak performance and uh, it, it would be wonderful to talk about how you help athletes. Um, and also just active people of all ages to help them reach peak performance. So let's just describe it for us. What is that? So I guess my definition of peak performance is individual to the person. So if you're a 70-year-old grandma who has trouble getting off the toilet, 
Yes. Uh, and I know you have experience working yes. with patients like that as well. And so your peak performance might be just, you know what, I can get in and out of chairs all day, low chairs. I can sit on the ground with my grandchildren and get up and not have to worry about falling over or worry about someone helping me up or having that furniture close by. So maybe her peak performance is being able to get up with no problem or being able to walk around the block three times and not feel winded. So it, it depends on the person's individual goal. And then obviously if it's an athlete, peak performance would be um, like if they're, like I say, a basketball player, be able to jump higher, run faster, um, basically maximize their ability that they've been given from their genetic potential and build off of that. So the other thing I guess to add to that would be if it is someone who let's say is pretty sedentary and doesn't get much exercise and, and they maybe they view their peak performance at a specific level or what they think they're capable of, um, maybe it's actually a lot more than they think it is. So kind of getting people to realize what they can do and then helping guide them through that journey to get there. That makes a lot of sense. Um, when I first read peak performance, I was thinking maybe you help people. You know, I just ran a marathon. So trying to get mm -hmm. them to a specific event where they could reach oh, yeah. their peak performance. But this Definitely makes a lot be. more <laughs> sense in that you just in everyday life, you're trying to help people function at their highest potential um, given their age, individuality. Yeah, and it, and it definitely could be marathon, weightlifting, mm -hmm. whatever. But like I said, it's very individual. So I don't want people to read that and think, oh, it's only if I'm a high-end athlete. Right. Anybody who wants to read their peak performance, peak performance in life. That's great. So why are you passionate about this? Because <laughs> like I said, I, I was an athlete. And I guess I would still consider myself an athlete. And I, I know that mental aspect of it as well as the physical aspect of really trying to prepare your body for your goals and your sport and your, your daily life demands. So I'm really passionate about helping others realize that they're capable of more than they thought and then help guiding them along that process is, is really fulfilling. Well, let's break it down a little bit. So how do you help? How do you do this for people? What would it look like for someone who's interested in reaching their peak performance? So I would ask them a series of questions and kind of get a get a good background about what they do in their life, where they want to be, um, and then help guide them to kind of understanding, okay, like if you want to get to this point, if let's say, like you said, let's use the marathon. Like I'm not a I'm not a runner myself, but let's say somebody is. I might ask them, okay, here's where you want to get to. You want to get to this time, your marathon time. Where are you now? And how, what do we need to do to get there? So I would ask them about that, kind of get an idea of where their goals or what their goals are, um, kind of set a really realistic expectation about how long it might take to get there, and then put them through, let's say, tests, some, some physical exam tests to figure out, okay, maybe where, what do they need to work on? Is it something with their aerobic capacity, basically like how well their lungs and their, and their heart works? Um, how efficient is it? Is it something with their strength? Is their strength um, not adequate to being able to reach a certain speed so that they can achieve that time? Um, is it something where maybe it's a combination of their strength as well as maybe their balance? So putting them through specific tests to figure out what needs to be worked on. And then based on those specific tests and putting them through these um, exam findings, I'll kind of figure out how, what's the plan we need to put in place to get to that point. 
and then we'll develop a program to get them there. So like with a lot of my, especially my online clients or, or some of my athletes that I work with in person, if they're going to see me for the long term, um, is kind of setting things up into little blocks. So you might have somebody work for four to six weeks on a specific goal. Once they hit that goal, you'll re-update the goal to something different, these little cycles. Um, and then obviously that's all encompassing into their, maybe their goal in a year and a half or a year, or some people might only be like six months. Um, but you're trying to get them ready for that, that goal and, um, adjusting based on what they need. So I'll, I'll constantly be reassessing how they're doing through this process, especially at the end of that four to six week period. Um, see what benchmarks we hit. We have little short-term goals, like say someone needs to lift a certain amount of weight or perform a certain amount of repetitions in an exercise. And if I can see that they do that and we hit that benchmark, then we're going to be focusing on the next benchmark to get to their goal. Great. So it's, a, it's a series of a series of steps in the, the grand scheme of the process. What tips would you have for someone listening who wants to try to help themselves reach peak performance? Do you have, I mean, maybe someone... I mean, I would encourage them to reach out to you, but maybe someone doesn't um, and really wants to try to maximize their workout or wants to try to coach themselves towards peak performance. Do you have any maybe, you know, a couple little gems for them to try, um, try out? (laughs) Uh, That's kind of a tough question because unless you have the, I guess, knowledge of what to look for, it's hard to know what you need to be doing. So I guess I would just default to saying it's nice to at at least just see someone one time or consult with somebody one time if you're unsure to have them give you like tips of, you know what, you could probably work a little bit more on this to help you out. And then let's say if somebody really can't do that, then maybe really taking an in-depth look of what are they having problems with? or what are the things in their life that they feel is lacking to get them to where they want to be physically. And then kind of problem solving through is like, do I feel really winded when I'm taking this, let's say I'm taking stairs at the beach or something. Do I feel really winded? Um, do I feel like it's something where I need to build up my lung capacity? Is it something where I just feel like my legs can't push me up? I keep going back to these same things, but, um, like well, I said, it might be hard to problem solve for some people. Yeah, I have an idea. I have an idea. I think you've got a great Instagram page. I started following you probably about six months ago, and I'm really um, hard on physical therapists. So, because I've been practicing <laughs> 20 years, and I'm really hard with what physical therapists put on their Instagram page, how they talk about the body. I really don't like it when a physical therapist talks in a language that people can't understand. That really bothers me. Unless really your target is for other physical therapists, as I get that. Um, But I also really like safe language about the body. I like people to talk about the strength of the body, how resilient our body is. I don't like people to talk about how fragile our body is. I just don't think that's helpful for general population. So I started following you and saving some of your Instagram posts because your language is really well done. And a reason why I reached out to you to interview you is because of 
your Instagram page. It's really, really good. It's incredibly thoughtful. I can tell you put a ton of effort into it. And for my listeners, I would say follow you. So you can find uh, Dr. K- Dr. Period Caleb Period Burgess on Instagram. And if you are trying to reach peak performance, I would say follow this guy. I mean, he's got great ideas. He talks about everything you could imagine, low back pain, ankle pain, ankle instability, neck pain, uh, headache relief, knee pain, shoulder stability, core strength, how to find your abs. I mean, every single day you put out a quality Instagram post. So if you are wanting to reach peak performance, I would say try out some of these uh, posts that you do um, and see where you get. And if you have questions, I would say reach out. Reach out and call or email. He's got a website, uh, which I think is really great. But that would be my idea for people <laughs> is you, you do. Set, you set me up for a shameless plug and I, I didn't even see it. <laughs> I did. I did. Absolutely. So I would like to talk about your Instagram page. What motivates you to do it? Well, it's it's a few things. I guess the main thing would be similar to you. Uh, it really bothers me when I see a lot of, I guess, poor information being put out there. And we kind of, we're living in this age where anybody without any experience can make things look very cool and sexy. And people don't know the difference. If you're somebody that doesn't have a background in this stuff, you're going to read what they say. And if they sell it in a good way and they look, they look good and they, they market it the correct way, it's going to look like it's the right information. And there's a lot of fear mongering out there. People trying to make you believe that your body is weak and fragile and you need them. And this, it really upsets me to read that kind of stuff too and see that stuff. And, um, I guess I can put it from my own experience when I was not even a physical therapist yet. And I was very interested and a lot of my followers are very interested in exercise and how to take care of themselves. Very, very focused on that, which is great. You're always looking for the best, whatever, the best exercise, the best way to help with your back pain or whatever. And you're going to find so much conflicting information. And to be honest, at first I wasn't, I didn't even want to get involved because I thought, you know what, there's so much noise out there. How the heck are people actually going to listen to what I have to say? Like, I know what I know, but no one else does. And so how am I going to put this out there in a way that looks cool enough or people are interested enough to actually want to look at? So that at first, like I said, it deterred me, but then I said, you know what, screw it. I got to do something. I'm just gonna start putting stuff out there. And if, if only a handful of people maybe find this stuff helpful, then at least I'm helping those people out and they're maybe staying away from this other information that isn't as good and they can help themselves out. So that, that really motivated me to do it. Um, and then also, I guess from a personal standpoint, it's just a, a good way to network with other people, get on podcasts. Yes. <laughs> like this one. Um, kind of just market myself for, you know what? I can do other things on the side. It's, it's a great way to um, help people on the side um, that may not have ever reached me. And I, I've been really blessed to be able to work with people actually around the world through the online consulting and services. So that's been really awesome. Um, so just another way to just kind of spread spread my own net and, and help people in the process. So that's that's been really the motivating factor. And 
as I've been lucky enough to find out that actually people did care enough to, mm-hmm. to follow my stuff and read about it. So that's, that's pretty awesome. How would you describe what's the main focus of your Instagram? What are you hoping, you know, if someone is looking at your page, what do you hope they walk away with? I hope they find value. So I hope they can go on there like something and not just like it because the picture looks cool or one exercise looks cool, but I want them to go, you know what? That's something that will really help me. And then they try it out or they, they take the information. If it's a more of an informational post and they go, you know what? That really makes a lot of sense. And they save that post and they refer to it later and they can tell other people about it. And basically planting that seed of something that's going to help them. And then eventually if they, if someone ever does need help, like more direct help, they can reach out to me. And even if they don't, that's fine. I just, I just basically want people to find value in it so they can have a resource for, for good information. It's very clear that you uh, give a lot of knowledge on there and you've spent a lot of time and money gaining that knowledge. <laughs> yeah. So I really appreciate that you're willing to just give it out. And um, I think people if they followed some of your exercises could significantly be helped. So what one post I really just actually saw this morning that I really liked um, was four myths of back pain. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, So I actually believe in all these things too. So I'm just gonna read them for the listeners. I need bed rest to recover. My back hurts because of my arthritis. I herniated my disc. I need to stop lifting weights. And I need an MRI before physical therapy. So these four myths, I think, are out there in the world. And, you know, I think it's awesome that you're trying to debunk some myths. And throughout your page, I would say you uh, work pretty hard to, you know, um, with the common knowledge that's out there and Google. Um, I just appreciate that you're, you just continue to try to, um, help people in a way that's going to, um, feel like they have a strong body and that there are resources to, um, help them. So, yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, uh, and what's funny is that wasn't even my post. Oh, it wasn't? <laughs> I, re- I, uh, <laughs> I re- well, the, the caption, I, I think I had, the caption was mine, but it was actually from a, a buddy of mine, another physical therapist in San Diego. Okay. And Who's that? Just, that is Dr. Mark Robinson. Okay. And so, yeah, he made that post, and that was something that I think a bunch of us saw that and were like, yes, that's yes. so true. It's so, so true. So I, I, re- I had to repost that, and... And that's the other thing is like uh, with the Instagram and page and stuff, it's like I try to choose the, the reposts that really hit home that I feel like my audience would appreciate. And, I feel yeah. like important. and, I, and that's definitely one that for sure was a great post. So props to him for that one. Yeah. So I have a question. Which mm-hmm. Instagram post has brought you the most conversation and controversy? Controversy. <laughs> that's wow. the word I'm looking for. I'm gonna have to scroll down my page and <laughs> yeah, and look. Usually, those are the ones with the most the most comments. Man, I don't know. Actually, that one that one did to some people, but for most people, they were they were on board with it. Um, 
Because it does seem like you uh, you like to do that. I mean, you do like to put out stuff uh, to help people think through um, just common knowledge that's already out there and just wondering what topic did, did your followers find that just created the most conversation. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to, <laughs> maybe that's okay. here, let's, let's come back. Let's we'll come, come back, back to that, that one and then we'll keep talking and I'm just going to kind of browse here as we talk and see if I can find it. And it'll hit, I know if I see it, I'll be like, Oh, I remember that post was, was something that people had a lot to say. Uh, so I like also some of your quotes on Instagram, master simple before sexy. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, I, someone probably said that before me, but I, that's just something that I'm always kind of harping on for sure. my for students that I'm with and then also patients that I'm with because a lot of people think that complexity and really cool looking exercise are going to give you better results. And as you know, yes. and many other people know that, that have been in this for a while, a lot of times it's the really simple stuff that gets the job done, but you just need to be consistent with it. Yeah. No, that's right. So what is simple? I would like to go down that road just a little bit because okay. I believe in that also. I believe that some simple exercises will go a long way and actually should be done on a regular basis. Uh, I don't yeah. know that we ever graduate from simple. So yeah, can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I guess one of the easiest, I guess a lot of people can apply this is like, let's say, a simple example for something that might seem complex is actually posted on this yesterday with one of my patients that came in was let's say somebody has back pain and it's there's pain going down their leg and it's very scary and you have this tingling and stuff like that in your leg and as physical therapists we would call that like some sort of nerve pain going down the leg and it it seems like okay this is something that's kind of crazy. What do we need to do? People might be scared about this. And it might be as simple as if someone's sitting at their desk for three hours at a time and they're in a position that seems to aggravate that area, maybe just having them change their position so that it doesn't bother their back as much. So something we might see is someone that just tends to slouch down a lot and it bothers that area. And we tell them, you know what, just wedge this pillow behind your back. That'll help you as well as maybe getting up more often, going for a walk maybe standing up and doing some back bends every hour for maybe 10 reps. Mm -hmm. Very simple, but it's and it doesn't seem like that cool. I'm not doing any weird manipulation or adjustment of your spine to that that needs to be done. It might just be like, you know what, change these things and like so many times just making those little adjustments, people go, "You know what? I've been doing that every day and it's feeling a lot better. It's only been a, a couple weeks." So that would be a perfect example of like, you know what, just change a few things, add a few things in your routine, keep it simple. Don't give like, don't have to do like 20 different exercises. You can do one or two and it might really help you out a lot. And that's probably something to continue for the rest of your life. You know, when you find yourself yep. sitting for a long period of time, it's just a good practice. You know, it's like flossing your teeth every day. There's some, yeah. you know, really easy, simple exercises that can maintain the health of your back and your body. And um, yeah, I like simple. I, I think uh, it should be advertised even more. But yeah, the post you are referring to is called Low Back Pain Case Study Flexion Sensitive. So if anyone listening wants to take a look at that post i would um just want you all to know the name of that 
Okay, did you find the post with the most <laughs> conversation? I don't, I, I, I don't know one. if I can, pick one. I can't confirm that one's the most. No, but you just, do not There's one I, I posted a while ago, um, okay. which I think it hit home for a lot of people and, and a lot of people liked it was, I put a picture of a, a spinal, a low uh, lumbar spine, so low back x-ray, and then I put it next to a brain. Mm. And I said, on the on the left side, I put, this does not tell me how to treat your low back pain. Mm-hmm. And then I put a picture of the brain and says, this does tell me how to treat your low back pain. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to basically describe why we can't just look at imaging findings and make a treatment plan based off that. And obviously, we can't just look at your brain and make, <laughs> make a treatment plan off that. But what I was trying to say was your nervous system your brain, your spinal cord, your nerves that control how we move and function, your brain, which holds like fears and beliefs and maybe issues that keep you or like anxiety, depression, all that kind of stuff. All of that information is going to tell me a lot more talking to you, figuring out your background, figuring out how you move, how your body functions, how you perceive movement yourself is going to tell me a lot more about how I'm going to help you with your low back pain than just looking at your imaging findings. That's right. And a lot of people think, and this isn't surprisingly doesn't happen as much anymore, but it still happens quite a bit as I'll get people, especially like on Instagram or social media or even email and they'll email me 10 different imaging like uh, directions or angles and say, Hey, what do I do? How do I, what do I do? Meaning like what exercises do I do? And I'm, and every time I'm like, I, I have no idea what exercises to give you because all that is, is a piece of paper. I mean, a a film that's telling me how your spine looks, which in some cases can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, but for, for most, most of the time for what we have to do, it's not going to really direct my treatment as much. And so I guess from a clinician standpoint, um, most people agreed with that and, and liked the post. And then there are a lot of people that were kind of confused as far as from the general population because we have clinicians that a lot of times will will base their their treatment based on an imaging finding, and the research really doesn't really back up treating based off that. It can help right. guide our decisions in some cases, but most of the time it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, the medical system at this point, especially when you go see a doctor, uh, they will do an image, x-ray, MRIs, yep. things like that. And then most of the time you'll hear from the doctor uh, what it was that they found on the image, but that has nothing to do with the actual person, what they yeah. love, who they love, their social context. Um, you know, pain in your finger is a really significant for a vinyl violinist versus a forward soccer player. I mean, a finger may not even, finger pain doesn't even matter if you're shooting goals in the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, literally probably won't even experience finger pain (laughs) versus uh, if you injured your finger and you're a violinist and you're playing at a symphony um, and it's your opening night. I mean, that pain is significant and that is why individualized care talking to an indiv- you know individual knowing what they care about what they do just social context all those things really matter more than an image so thank you for yes. that post and getting this knowledge out there i really appreciate it 
I really like to end my podcasts with what three practices help you stay healthy. All right. Actually, that's a, that's not that hard of a question to answer. Number one, getting good sleep or yes. trying to get good sleep, which funnily, funnily, funny enough is something that I, I struggle with. But when I do get really good sleep and I, I make the effort to have a consistent bedtime routine and waking up at the same time every day, uh, that's probably the biggest one. Mm-hmm. When I get good sleep, everything just kind of falls into place a lot easier. Even like stress levels, how I eat, mm-hmm. motivating me to exercise, all that kind of stuff. And I guess the, the other ones would be, um, number two, having a consistent exercise routine. So staying active and even when I'm not exercising as far as like, oh, here's my one hour to work out, just trying to be more active throughout the day. So walking around more um, throughout the day, taking standing when I'm charting at work, going on walks at lunch, that kind of stuff. Um, and then the third thing would be maintaining a, a good relationship with my wife mm-hmm. and, yeah. and friends and family and just having good social interaction, I think is really health, healthy um, psychologically. Great. and helps motivate you to stay on top of everything else. So what's the best way for people to find you and contact you? Well, you covered it earlier, but um, probably the easiest the easiest one would be my Instagram page. It's dr.caleb.burgess. Um, then I also have a Facebook page with the same handle as that. Um, I do have a Twitter, but I'm almost never on there. But maybe in the future, I'll, I'll start posting more on there. And it's the same thing, but no periods in between my name. Um, and then my, you can send me a direct email if you'd like. It's just my, my name is Caleb Burgess, DPT at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, that's about, that's, that's the, oh, and then my website, uh, dot So it's pretty simple. I keep it. I you keep do it very, keep it simple. Just my name over and over again. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for being on this podcast and giving out your knowledge to the world in a very selfless way. So I just really am happy to have had you on today and hope you have a wonderful day. Awesome. You too. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. Balanced by Beth is a podcast to inspire women to live strong. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personal medical advice.